TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. The big dog and a coach together. Five consecutive days. I think that's a first since the talk zone that has been on big dog that we're actually going to do a full week together. I, for one, am excited. I might be the only one. How are you, big dog? Uh, I'm doing really, really well. And I hate to break it to you, coach, but I cannot do Friday because I have a shoot. Oh, oh, four out of five days. No, no, I, I, I might be able to do Friday. It all depends if I can get a ride from here to the train station so I can make the train, but I doubt it. So. Beautiful, beautiful. Big dog, uh, great to hear your voice. Again, the dog, uh, if you're checking out via webcasting, is not in studio but doing the show from his palatial estate out in Aurora, Illinois, a fine western suburb of the Chicago area. Dog, a uh, somewhat of a slow sports day except for the Olympics yesterday, but still uh, – it's a residue Tuesday, of course, one of our traditions here on the talk, so we can bring up any of the sports action that happened over the weekend. Yesterday, not the most exciting Olympic day, but I know even if you were not an ice dancing fan before yesterday, you certainly um, must have been moved a little bit by the ice dancing last night. Did well, it move? Something moved, Coach, but it wasn't <laughs> anything emotionally. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I, actually... I, guess, uh, I, 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 I don't get into any of that. I, I can't stand any of the ice figure skating. None of that stuff besides the women's uh-huh. uh, solo single stuff. That's the only one I like, and I've already admitted why I like it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you are right, and a lot of females are out there appreciate your honesty, but don't particularly appreciate that's the only reason why you like figure skating. But I watched the ice dancing last night, not by choice, but my wife was watching. I wanted to change the channel, watch something else. But like anything else, I kind of got hooked up into it. And you know what? I, I actually found the ice dancing more enjoyable than the regular pairs dancing. Because in the ice dancing, they actually skate. And they skate around the entire rink. The pairs figure skating, it's much more reserved they don't use the whole rink, and it's all about, as you've become aware of it, it's all about... What are about reserves? The it's... dude throws a chick like 15 feet in the air. It, 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 she's doing like 30 miles an hour. She gets tossed in the air by some dude. Are you talking about ice dancing or pairs? About pairs, yeah. Well, that's, if you watch the ice dancing, there was more lifting of the female, flipping and turning her like a baton. There was actually more of that. You're talking about the throw that they do, the power throw, where they spin and they have to land. Yeah, and then the girl's legitimately taking her life in her own hands. Yes. With somebody else's hands. Yes. So. Yeah. And by the way, where those hands are placed at times, it almost makes you want to take up figure skating. I, I really don't know why I didn't go in that particular direction. <laughs> by the way, speaking of uh, figure skating, you know that Evan Lysiak? Yes. Did I get his name right? Uh, I don't know if I did. Yeah, right. uh, no, it's Evan Lysiak, I believe. Okay, if you're the one actually correcting me on a name pronunciation, that's the first, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll probably, be more than happy to take it. I'm probably wrong about it, but it was nice to correct you. What about him? Do you know who he is engaged to? I'm looking at the picture right now. Oh, my goodness, Coach. Well, t- uh, morning, br- morning break. Our TalkZone.com, two guys that are Mike fans, might not be aware. Spill the beans. I was shocked. 
Natasha Lukin coach. The who gymnast. is the gold medal winner at the, I believe the 08 Olympics uh-huh. for gymnastics. Yeah. And all I can say is uh, she filled out admirably. Because when, when she was uh, uh, 97 pounds, excuse me, 97, she was 67 pounds. She wasn't that attractive coach. Mm-hmm. The best way for me to put it. She put a little meat on her bones, and I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, so, was she, uh, she, was, uh, she was a United States competitor, right? Yeah, yeah, she okay. was. Uh, she was the one. Her, her, she's Russian. It, it, I mean, like her, her, her dad was like a Russian gold medal champion yes. in the eighties, and her dad was the coach. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's why I, I had a little... of the whole team, or, or just her? Huh? No, of he, the whole team. Or uh, just her? No, no, he was the coach for just her. Oh, Each... okay. And I think was like the mom, like the coach for the whole team, or something like that. I don't know. They had well, now, some weird arrangement. Now you're thinking the uh, like the Boris. Uh, what was his name? The head coach. Oh no, 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 not uh, not the guy from '84, Mary Lou Retton and uh, yeah. Terry Shrug. You can do it, Gary. <laughs> Boris uh, Karloff. <laughs> yeah, because he was Carola. he was the coach, and then his wife was the uh, like the team mom. Yeah, Bella Carola. Yeah, like Bella Carola. There you go. Yeah, she would like make cookies and stuff, and depending on how hard he was on them, depending on what recipe she used to make the cookies or brownies. Well, he would for the girl. <laughs> he would do the yelling, and she would do the hugging. It was a great uh, husband and wife combination, I believe. I don't want to ruin the day for our summer Olympic fans out there, but I believe the Carolis might have gotten divorced. Did I read that? Oh no, no. I'm hoping not. I could be wrong. I could oh, be wrong. That would but be that, oh. for any people no! interested out there. <laughs> There's no Bella coach. There is a chance. There is a chance that Mrs. Caroli could be available again. I cannot confirm it. I'm just saying it's a possible rumor. You know, like I remember one time they were talking to her and they were congratulating, or or just talking very admirably about her. Like, oh, you're doing such a good job being around, you know, your husband and and helping with the girls and stuff, and you're always here at practice. So. You know, you're really helping out, and, and she was like, it has nothing to do with that. Would you trust him around all these girls all the time? <laughs> there there are ulterior motives for being the team mom, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. but I, I was shocked, as were you. It's in the little gossip section of the sports page today, Chicago Sun-Times, probably other local papers across the nation also, but Evan Lysacek and Nastasha Luke, and not just boyfriend, girlfriend, but engaged? Yeah, remember last week I was talking about this guy? I guess he went on like uh, a year and a half binge of Hollywood starlets when he moved out to LA. Uh, to LA, coach, no mm-hmm. joke, seriously. Well, the guy he... was just shuffling through, and then he found himself an athlete and was like, you know what? I'm going to hold up right here. And he really thanks her for like all the stuff that mm-hmm. like keeping his mind right during the Olympics. Because I can't even imagine the, mm-hmm. the the pressure you're going through. And then the guy wins, and and he has like his number one competitor being like, you did not deserve it. You did not do quad. You know, so. You got, you, you got to think he's very uh, desirable from the female standpoint, one of the very, very few straight male figure skaters. You don't find those. So, you know, what's hard to get is often very desirable. Yeah, and maybe does he bring the sensitivity of being a, a figure skater? You know, maybe be yes. able to write a little poetry. No question. You know, can do a little ballroom dancing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Probably doesn't mind the candlelight dinner, you know, or, uh, you know, like <laughs> some on the couch. You just figure a figure skater more apt to do something like that. Uh, me, you know, if I was a, if I was a, an Olympic athlete, I guess I'd have to be a curler. So, you know, I'm, you're thinking more like yeah. beer at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, pancakes, you know, an cocktails, hour later. You know what I mean? Cocktails. <laughs> already so, there was an article in our local Chicago paper already. It happens every four years that the mm-hmm. curling centers, now there's not a lot of them, but there's a couple, and there's one up in Northbrook where I live. The curling centers have gotten very, very popular. They're like sold out. The next three or four weekends, everybody wants to throw a little, you know, neighborhood or, or friendly uh, curling parties become the hot thing. And 
it'll probably last about a month or two, die out, and then another four years we'll rediscover curling again. No, no. Remember we talked about this about two, three weeks ago, Coach, when we we, we did we did uh, the two guys in the Mike Olympic preview, yes. and I said that um, over the next like half of all signups for hockey, figure skating, speed skating, curling over the next four years is going to happen over the next three months. Fifty percent mm-hmm. of all the signups. Yeah. That's you know good. what I mean? That's, and then they'll be dead for three and a half years. Yeah. And then it'll happen again. That's so. proven by history. Uh-huh. Proven it it by happens history, every yeah. single Olympic. I'm going to do it a little bit different. We're throwing a party at the local sled hill. We're going to have a snowboard cross party. We're going to have a keg at the top of the hill and then, uh, you know, get people liquored up a little bit. We got, we rented some snowboards, and we're going to have like six or eight people go at a time, snowboard cross. We got a, a buddy of mine's a first aid guy. He's going to uh-huh. bring out a couple of first aid people, and it sounds like uh, it should be a lot of fun. I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. The way you have that set up, uh-huh. if I was in this, I know exactly how I would win. The four of us would set up at the top of the hill. They would say, go. Three people would go down. I'd watch them. I'd turn around, <laughs> uh, hop back to the keg, tap it, and be like, I win. <laughs> Why the, would you put the keg at the top of the hill? It's got to be on the bottom of the hill, Coach. The, <laughs> let the other three people go first. They can wipe out, and Joel just kind of sits down on the snowboard, waving to the crowd. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the only problem is, Though, Coach, if I continue to drink out of that keg, I'll probably end up going down the hill like that cheese ball rolling contest. <laughs> you will you be know a, the one I'm talking about in jo- Scotland or England or whatever? Uh-huh. Oh, that, that's, that's one of the funniest <laughs> things you can see. You'll be like the human lose. Joel will be going down like a lose. The only problem is you won't be riding in a lose. It'll be on your back. Well, a there's a big difference between being a lose and being a loser. Yes. Very fine line between them. Very fine line. It comes up every Olympics. Uh, our phone lines are open, folks. If you have just joined us, we'll talk Olympic games. Got a lot on the docket today. College basketball, a couple of big games yesterday, a little NBA basketball. Residue uh, Tuesday, which means we can pick up any of the events that happened over the weekend. We still talk about it on a Tuesday. Starting tomorrow, big dog, we look ahead. No more looking back. But uh, there might be some people that were actually working yesterday, might have missed our show, want to comment on some of the things from the weekend. 888 48 is our phone number. You're welcome to call in. You can email us at mike2guys at aol.com. Dog, did I uh, interrupt you? You had something to say? Oh, no, no. It's uh, okay. it, it's funny you say look ahead because, you know, tomorrow's uh, one of the biggest day in sports starts. Uh, the NFL Scouting Combine. Split left, split left. Oh, that's when large men gather together and uh, – Find out how much they can bench press, 225 pounds. Yeah, so we're dead out in the in the Winter Olympics. You got the America having its best Winter Olympics ever. You got the hockey team on on the verge of hopefully something great. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchers and catchers are reporting. Illinois is in the midst of a Big Ten, you know, good run. And, and right now, I'm worried about boys in short or men's in, <laughs> men in short. So. The yeah, scouting it, it, that was a little bit lighthearted. I really don't mean it, but is I that, will be watching it. Is that the one in uh, Indianapolis? The regular. Scouting yeah, Indianapolis combat? coach. Okay. And, uh, you know, when, when they were talking about it on, you know, like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, the Battle of Hairdos, you know, you know, I thought about it, and it really hit me exactly what um, the combine is, coach. It's, it's, uh, it's Internet dating is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, you see it, you get to look at it, you get pictures in the underwear and stuff, and you decide whether or not you want to go out with it. You do, and then you really find out whether it's good or not. So that's what you got to be careful with. It's a great description. That's a, I never quite thought of it that way, but that's pretty much what it is, and very much like internet dating more often than not, you will be uh, disappointed in the end. Yeah, you, you really should have got to know him a little bit better. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. <laughs> but but then there's always that one out of seven, one out of eight, one out of nine times when boom, when you least expect it, you find the right one, and that's what the scouting combine is all about. It's become oh, a sport unto itself. That's when the magic happens, coach. Yeah, it's almost like college recruiting. You know that it's almost become like a separate sport. You know, you got your top 20 ranked teams and who bring in what players from high school and stuff. And it's almost for the recruiters out there and the scouting people, it's almost like that's it's not completely separate, but it's almost separate from the actual college football, which is the whole idea of the recruiting. It's really sick. And we those of us in the sports world, we need to spend our time on much more important things. You know, and it's funny because these coaches end up getting what they they reap, what they sow typically coach. You get people like Charlie Weiss getting all puppy chested. Yeah, we're getting the top recruiting classes in the country here at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. We finally are getting good players, unlike the Tyrone Willingham. And then all of a sudden they're three and nine and two and ten, and you're like, well, you just said you had great players, so maybe you should be fired because you obviously can't coach. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how it works uh, with these guys. If if you start patting yourself on, on the back too bad because you supposedly have all these five star players. Well, you better win at a five-star rate with them. Yeah, in the case of the round mound from Puget Sound, Charlie Weiss, the, <laughs> the only time, the only time he ever won was when he had Ty Willingham's players, right? Yeah. When he finally got his own players, then he didn't win. So, so much for that recruiting process. Now, um, by the way, Puget Sound, I do believe, yep, is uh, in Washington, the state, yes. which is on the west coast. And yes. It didn't like uh, didn't uh, Charlie Weiss grow up in New Jersey, Coach? Not sure. Yeah, he Not did. Sure. He grew up in New Jersey. Okay. But uh, you know what? It's, he is fat, and it rhymes with Puget Sound. So from now on, <laughs> he will be the round mound from Puget Sound, even though. <laughs> Even though it's not geographically correct, it works for you, huh? No, no, that's, not at all, Coach. That's what we're here for, my friend. Big Dog and a Coach, 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. Dial it up. Any of your Olympic game thoughts from the weekend, from yesterday? Got some big hockey matches coming up. In fact, uh, the hockey tournament, the medal round starts today, Big Dog. The U.S. has a day off. They can sit back, relax, and watch pictures of Evan Lysasek and Nastasia Lucian. Uh, while the other teams are competing, the quarterfinals are today. Canada and Russia have a, a couple of tough battles. But oh, no, no, the quarterfinals are today. This is to get into the quarterfinals, Coach. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm 100% okay. positive. All right, but the medal round starts today, so the U.S. drawing a bye. And really, the, the draw for the U.S. even beyond today, uh, pretty favorable, is it not? Russia, Canada, and the opposite playbook? You know, Coach, I want to. I want to say I, I really made a mistake on this because I was talking about how it didn't matter, like the playing round, all that stuff, just blah blah blah. Well, you know what? Getting the number one seed meant everything. If you didn't get the number one, two through six is about the same. It really is, Coach. Mm-hmm. But if you got the number one seed, it meant that you didn't have to. You don't have to play both Russia or Canada, right? Or Sweden. Those three teams, the U.S. will only have to play one of them in order to win the cup, the mm-hmm. toughest of oh, the cup. Excuse me. The, the Olympic gold medal. <laughs> yeah. That number one seed met everything in this particular tournament. It made whoever got it rode to the to the gold medal. Extre- right. I shouldn't say easy. How about less challenging? So bad so, on my part. I didn't watch that Canada U.S. game because I thought, well, you know, it's kind of a it's a cool matchup, but there's really no significance to the game. Uh, well, I failed in two spots. One, it turned out to be what some people are saying, one of the most exciting hockey games they ever saw. And oh, two, my goodness, Coach. The level of play was a 100 out of a 100. Seriously. Yeah. It was awesome. I didn't even tape it. You know how I tape everything, Big Dog. Uh-huh. I didn't even – I figured, you know, all right, everybody's talking about it. You know, it's all for the – you know, this game is like an exhibition game. I'm going to wait and watch until the medal round, but unfortunately – 
that was not my best decision. I did catch a replay in the last three, four minutes, and that was pretty good stuff, too. Uh, Switzerland, quick quick comments on each of these matchups today. Eight seed Switzerland taking on the nine seed Belarus, ladies and gentlemen. Hockey expert Joe Radwanski joining us here on uh, our Olympic pregame here. Switzerland uh, versus Belarus. Uh, I saw the Belarusians play, and uh, I wasn't very impressed. Now, uh, Switzerland's got a pretty good goalie coach. Switzerland will win this game. It'll be like a two-to-one score. All right. So if it's uh, if the game is set at a goal and a half, you might still want to take Belarus. Oh, yeah, definitely take Belarus <laughs> in this game. Switzerland cannot score. Five but they seasons. do have some really funny names of guys on their team. They have uh, Get Slapped. Get okay. Slapped. And, okay. Um, oh, they got some really funny names, Coach. I'll pick up more of them. Okay. They, they, Bad, bad name. Uh, number five seed, Czech Republic, taking on very underrated. Watch out for the number 12 seed, Latvia. Latvia hockey is on the rise, Big Doug. It, it definitely is on the rise, Coach. <laughs> the problem is it really won't matter. I, I, they might be able to score a goal against the Czech Republic, but I, I would say the score of this game is going to be 6-1. to one. Okay. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, number seven, Slovakia, taking on Norway today, the number 10 seed. I'm feeling a potential upset. I like Norwegian hockey. You might be feeling stuff, Coach, but you'll be feeling yourself up alone. Slovakia will absolutely really? run amok all over, all over Norway. The Norwegians won't have a shot. Another mm-hmm. blowout game. All right. The only close game so far is the Swiss game. Okay. I was feeling something. I thought it was a Norway win. It might have been some of the coffee that they gave me here at the TalkZone.com. It could what's, be. Uh, what's, huh? What, what, so it's, the 6-11 game is Canada-Germany. Germany. 6-11 is Canada versus Germany. I would assume Canada, the uh, – there's no chance we're going to get a second straight upset of the great Canadians, are we? No, no, I don't see it happening, Coach, but let's admit this. Let's, let's just throw it out there. If Germany gets a lead early, if you get a lead over Canada early. Pressure, pressure. Oh, my goodness. Seriously, those guys are the, – the, they, they acted like it was a national day of mourning yesterday in Canada. It yep. wasn't even the medal round when yep. they lost to the United yeah, States. Those, those players will definitely – the jerseys around the neck will get a little bit tight. If the Germany team, or even if they don't score, I would imagine the strategy for the Germany team will be to pack it in on the defensive end and try, close, to, yeah. right, try to keep the score as close as possible, as long as possible, and then psychologically the pressure will start to build for Canada. You're, you're exactly right, Coach. I don't know how philosophically these teams match up because I really don't know, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like how they should play. But I agree. Without knowing that, Simply said, try to keep it a tight game because Canada, they will pucker up is the best way for me to say. Mm-hmm. Basically, Germany's strategy is very similar to you at about 2 o'clock on a Saturday night. Germany will go dump and chase. <laughs> could I make that comparison? Based on your no, life, coach, I, th- I think I could. I'm getting I'm getting older. I'm getting older, and I really don't – I think I have better game than Germany in this particular situation, so I've learned mm-hmm. not to chase anymore. All right, very good. So that, that, don't, go, don't play desperate. Very quickly. You know I live, Buzz. We headed into a break here, 888-463-6748. When we come back from the break, by the way, I want to get your thoughts on this. An interesting coaching quandary where the coaches actually competed against themselves. In a sense, I want to ask you about that. But Big Dog, you know I live socially uh, vicariously through you. Any females in the Big Dog's picture that I need to know about, or are you still happily single? Uh, uh, well, something's going on from an ex from New York, but no, nothing. Nothing, Coach, nothing. With Absolutely your, not. Your ex from New York? An ex that lives in New York. Oh, okay. All, All right, of a sudden, keep... been contacting me constantly, consistently lately. A little stalking uh, situation? Little What's up? A little stalking situation? 
No, no, not stalking. All right. Well, keep keep our listeners abreast because you know we live we live through you, big dog. Maybe I should forward some of the stuff that she has texted me to uh, our webpage. Work has a little been a little bit slow. I would be happy to see those pictures. We'll take a quick break. It's uh, thetalkzone.com. Two guys in a week. We haven't even mentioned our producer. The extraordinary one, David Olson, today. Quick break. Back in a minute. Lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Big dog, I don't know if you're checking out your computer or not, but during the break, I was using my half-eaten apple to show our webcasting fans some different pitching grips. The knuckleball, the uh, slurve, the two-seam fastball, and the what I would call on this apple the two-core fastball. But, uh, the two-core fastball? The two-core fastball in my apple. So it's got to have a lot of movement, Coach. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Especially if it's half-eaten. Yeah. By the way, one of our emailers uh, emailed to us. It said, pitchers and catchers have reported. And then he said, so now what? It's a good question. So I guess we wait for everybody else to report. Yeah, I was now we say- just find out who has a sore arm and bad back from the offseason. At least we find out, like, yeah. which pitchers are fat coming in. You know, <laughs> it's funny that that guy brings up because it is, it is pretty funny. Yeah, what happens well, you, now? You, you know, you, his season. point is well taken. You get all excited. Yeah, pitchers and catchers have reported. You get all excited, and then you realize you got the next six weeks basically to uh, read about Alfonso Soriano's lost cousin back in the Philippines. Yeah, the Philippines? Wow. That's a cause. Get lost somewhere. You know, a dollar goes a long way there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with the one thing, correct, like, so yeah, we're waiting. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? So like the first news, hey, did you see Carlos Zambrano? He looks great. Okay, and then I see Carlos Zambrano. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he looks fantastic. And then so he starts talking, and I'm, I'm like, wow, he really seems like he gets it, you know? And Coach, he's like, yeah, I'm still looking to lose about five pounds. I want to get down to 255. I'm like, what? He's doing 61. Was he pitching at 325 last year? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's lost 60 pounds. I'm not kidding, Coach. Uh, well, 60 we, pounds we, it looks like he's lost, and he's only 260 right now. We talked about this uh, last week. It's like, you know, they're all excited, these guys. Carlos Zabrano, just one of many that, you know, have a rededication to fitness. They've come in in shape, and they're all proud of themselves. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Why didn't you come in shape the last six years or seven years or eight years you pitched with the coach? Why is that so amazing? That you yeah, finally coach, come in shape. The real is interesting part is what the hell you were doing the last six years in the offseason. When we had that conversation, I didn't realize that he weighed 260. 
when remember when we had that conversation, I'm like, Coach, he looks like he's about 220 pounds. Well, but he he's big bone. He wears it well. Okay, I'll give him that because he he does have a very big he has a big butt and he's got broad shoulders. He's six yeah. four. He's going to weigh more than how, a typical guy. But. How tall is he? Zambrano. Hello. Hello. How, how tall is he, big dog? Is he like six three, six four, Carlos Zambrano? Oh, he's six foot four. Okay. Six foot four. So he's a really big guy. He's got big shoulders, you know. But so he's going to weigh more than everybody else. But mm-hmm. I was just a little surprised that that's what he weighed. So he had it been over three hundred last year. All right, I think we had a little bit of phone connection, a little bit of technical difficulty, but we got you back now. By the way, the other uh, rotund picture on the other side of town, Bobby Jenks. For the Chicago White Sox pitchers and catchers report, hey, hey, uh, hey, and he's all happy now, and you know everybody's picking it up in the media. He has decided to stop drinking. Apparently, and you looked at Bobby Jenks; it's not a surprise, but he's laying off the beer, laying off the alcohol. A revitalized Bobby Jenks back for your Chicago White Sox, big dog. I know you're excited. Well, I mean, if it is a problem and it is an issue, especially if it's going to affect your baseball career, you know, you got to give it up. I- a good move. You've got to be happy with the guy. Well, because, and, and again, I could say the same thing as I said about Carlos Zambrano. What was he doing, binge drinking or, or drinking somewhat heavily while he was a major league athlete for the last well, five, six years, getting paid millions of dollars by this team? Coach, binge drinking goes wrong everywhere. There's as many binge drinkers that are uh, professional baseball players as there are professional uh, electricians, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it happens, believe it or not. So there's a there's just the rate of alcoholism is just the same no matter you know what profession you have. The only problem is these guys are multimillionaires with alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. So you know if if the you know if the guy has the ability to say, hey, I'm going to quit drinking to try to save my baseball career, you got to be pretty happy about that. The only problem is Lendell White of the Titans. He quit drinking tequila, and that really didn't help him this year because I don't even think he had 100 yards rushing. He was much slower. Yes, back in, back might, in his tequila days, he, he was faster and more elusive on tequila. Jose so. Cuervo was a friend of his. Yeah. So. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, pitchers and catchers report. Hey, hey, if you're uh, listening in from another baseball town and you got some news out there you want to talk about, some uh, good things happening, some bad things happening, you want a little preview of the big dog, my partner here, baseball expert, he can tell you. Any of the history in any of your baseball teams, he's right there for you. Dial it up at 888-463-6748, the phone number. And, again, our email, Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Again, locally here in Chicago, Big Dog, you will be very happy to know that the reports are Alfonso Soriano's surgically repaired knee is 80 to 85% better. Yeah, I really need to hear that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I knew that would make your morning. If there's any useless discussion in, in the city of Chicago, it's about Alfonso Soriano. He is without a doubt one of the most frustrating players okay. that in the history of this organization. I thought you were All gonna... I can say is just, just, just please just don't be bad. You know, this guy could legitimately coach. He can hit 240 again this year with 20 home runs and be horrific on defense and just be a total bust again. Or you know, he can hit 300 with, with 45 home runs and only be really bad on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean – who knows what, what you're going to get with this guy. I just Hopefully, it's just a guy who swings at strikes most of the time. <laughs> That's all I would really hope out of him. The fact that his knee is surgically repaired doesn't excite you too much, huh? 
Alfonso Soriano doesn't excite me because he's not a fundamentally sound player. I, the, the Cubs have way too many guys that are really talented and not very skilled. They need more skilled players, guys that you know can do multiple things with the bat. That's and that's yeah. actually an excellent description. Think about that, fan. Big that might have slid through some people, but that's that's a quality baseball analysis right there. They got too many players that are very talented but not skilled enough. Yes, that's, that, that that's needs exactly. to set in. It's almost like eating some food where the initial taste is kind of average, but all of a sudden when it goes down the throat, the aftertaste. Is really, really good. I like that comment. Number one, it's extremely accurate. Number two, it's kind of a unique aspect to it. But you're exactly right. <laughs> the guy can run. Yeah, well, who cares if he can run if he doesn't ever get on first base? Mm-hmm. You know, so, well, in the uh, case of Alfonso Soriano, maybe with a surgically repaired knee, he can. But one of the reasons the Cubs got him is to add some speed in the base pass as the uh, – you know, leadoff man, and suddenly we found out the guy, you know, looked like Red Fox running around the bases. And uh, while he hit an occasional home run, he was no longer a base-stealing threat, which was part of the draw, part of the reason they brought him to the Cubs. You, you, I don't want to sit there and break down Alfonso Soriano too much, but it's this simple with him, Coach. He, If he ever just laid off breaking pitches in the dirt, yep. he would be just like Sammy Sosa. In 1997, Sammy Sosa swung at every single pitch in the dirt, and he was bad. He was a guy that hit 36 home runs and just was bad for some reason. He was like Soriano is, was last year. And then all of a sudden, he quit swinging at pitches in the dirt. And he, all of a sudden, he started getting fastballs. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens when Alfonso Soriano gets fastballs, Coach? He is awesome. I, he's awesome. But the only problem is he just, for some reason, cannot. He, he has the Sean Dunstan, uh, the gonna, early Sandy Sosa disease of swinging at every I, pitch I, in the I was dirt. just going to test you and say, what other two Chicago Cubs, one with great potential, who didn't make it, one with great potential, who did make it, but not to the level he could have, that couldn't stay away from the curveball off the plate, into the dirt, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. Sean Dunstan was one. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Uh, oh, of the Cubs. So Sean Dunstan was the guy that kind of made it, and right. the other guy was one who didn't make it? Yeah. Hmm, of the Cubs. And what, great what potential. Our center fielder of the future. Oh, Corey Patterson. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's... There you go. Yeah, and Corey Patterson was also the high fastball in the eye. Mm-hmm. So he had that double combination, Coach. Not, not, a, not a good one, too. Yeah, either throw it over his head or throw it in the dirt. But either way, yeah. you just, you're 0-2 on Corey Patterson, and the, neither ball was within a foot of the strike zone. We might even want to add Felix P.A. in that category, too, another great potential who uh, did not pan out. Who hit for the cycle for the Orioles last year, Coach? One did time. You know that? Felix P.A., Felix Pye, hit yeah. for the cycle last season. I am not kidding you. So after that, they're like, we're going to put him in uh, We're going to put him in left field because they got, uh, what's his name, um, not Andrew Jones, Adam Jones out in center field in, in, for Baltimore. They're doing fine there. So they put him out in left field because we're going to start him every day. And then I think he proceeded to go like one for 50 <laughs> <laughs> after he hit for the cycle. So <laughs> I think we're, he's, he's a fifth outfielder coach. He's Sam Fold with power, is what Felix P.A. is. And he's another one of the long line of ex-Cubs with great, great potential. I still have the poster of Kevin Ory in my bedroom, although I took it down from the primary spot. It's now in a secondary area. But you remember Kevin Ory was the next Ron Santo, the future third baseman of the Chicago Cubs, and he had a career batting average of about 180, I believe. Yeah, and he, he was the guy after Gary Scott, who was supposed <laughs> to be the next great third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. But, you know, luckily they, the Cubs do have that, that position solved, thanks to the Pirates. So, 
the Pirates, also known as uh, the Quadruple A Cubs, uh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, you know, as we're in February and waiting for baseball and stuff, you know, there's going to be moves made. I know you don't like it too much, Coach. And I tell you, I'm with you about Cubs making too many trades when they deal with the Marlins, but they can't make enough trades with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They need to fleece that organization a little bit more. <laughs> I just want to make sure Hesop Joy gets some love in this uh, uh, can't-miss process. I love Hesop yeah. Joy. You know, that, that's a good call, Dave. And and it's funny because you picked the exact the exact antithesis or whatever, the antithesis of those guys. Hesop Joy's problem was he never swung. <laughs> that was his problem. You're supposed to be an RBI guy. Quit looking at balls that are a half inch off the plate when you're a rookie that you're never going to get called a strike. you uh-huh. got to swing the bat Major League Baseball when you're young in order to drive in some runs. And he would, you know, that was his problem. So those other guys swung too much. He was too passive. Young, you know, big, strong, man. great hands over a few first base, the future first baseman for your Chicago Cub. Hesop Choi, great potential. <sighs> he you did have what, soft though? hands, though, I will say that. Another thing, he stopped Troy before. You know, we can rip him, and, and he didn't. He never panned out. Nope. We did get Derek Lee straight up in the trade for uh, he stopped Troy. So as far as I'm, I'm not mad at he stopped Troy. Pretty. Mm-hmm. We were able, or we were, excuse me, the Cubs were able to get rid of him b- before everybody else realized that he really wasn't that good. Moment of silence, if we could, for he stopped Troy. Thank you very much. I appreciate you know, that. the the Cubs actually have another Korean play, and they had one. Jay Cook U in their system. Yes. He had an 11-pitch career with the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. and he gave up six earned runs. That's not good. Do you remember, do you remember that? He, he came up against I the thought, Braves, and he gave up, like, legitimately three home runs in one inning and didn't get anybody out. I thought he was still with the Cubs, no? I thought they got rid of him somehow. Okay. What's his name again? Jay? Jay Cook U. Jay Cook U. spell the last name R-Y-U. Mm-hmm. So, you. Eleven, eleven pitches, six runs. I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm fairly confident that that would go into the category of not real good. That was a bad day. I like the Braves hit like eight home runs against the Cubs that day. It was, it was a bad Saturday afternoon. It was, it was ugly. Yeah, well, the good news is Alfonso Soriano has a surgically repaired knee. It's looking better. Big dog, have you uh, ever had any injuries surgically repaired in your uh, past athletic experience? Anything Luckily, you can talk about on the air, anyways. I've had a lot of broken bones, Coach, and I was able to play a lot of football games and cast and stuff, but mm-hmm. I have never been uh, sewn up, but I'm going to need to be because I have a hernia, Coach. Uh-oh. And as soon as I get health insurance, I probably shouldn't say this because my health insurance provider hears that it's pre-existing. It probably won't be yeah, covered. This, this show is uh, – our research shows we are pretty big in the healthcare industry, so please well, be careful what you say. Well, something tells me – I had a premonition, Coach, that I'm going to have a hernia injury that I'm going to have to take care of. Uh-oh. You know, in, in a little bit. So I will have to have surgery. Uh-huh. And I'm not looking forward to it because I won't be able to exercise or do anything. And I've heard everything on hernia. And you know what's funny is I know Dave will know the answer to this. This is good. He's like our, he's our, our fat guy. I've heard everything from one month I'd be out to six months. And I've even heard a year, but I know that that's got to be wrong. So but well, I'm, I'm not I'm not looking forward to a coach. I'm a pretty no. active guy. And to be able to not do anything for that's at least like, Four be five weeks. On the other hand, it will give you a legitimate excuse to be a complete couch potato. That's the bright side, but I know that will be a tough moment. Are you saying you are not covered by our fine uh, TalkZone.com insurance policy? Um, well, actually, I had to pick up smoking in order to be covered <laughs> for the group plan. <laughs> so, no, no. That's one of those I'm plans not. at like $9.99, right? You must smoke in order for you to be covered. <laughs> yeah. Take two aspirin and call us in the morning. 
Beautiful. All right, uh, 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach with you. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com. We're going to take a quick break back for our final segment. Now, I told you before we had uh, coaches that were actually coaching the same people, the same teams. It was an odd experience last night in the ice dancing competition. I want to talk about that. More Olympic thoughts and uh, get to some college basketball, too. A couple of big games. March Madness, Big Dog, not that far away. I, for one, am uh, starting to get excited. We'll take a quick break. Back in a minute. Two guys and a mic. Your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Big dog, I'm watching on the uh, screen here. A couple of outstanding screen. Beautiful, beautiful studio here at TalkZone.com. want to thank uh, David Olson, our producer, general manager here. Chris Whitting, the commander-in-chief, that put together a beautiful, beautiful studio. I don't know how good the show is, but the studio is wonderful. And there's a picture of uh, Jason Williams, the ex-basketball player, being led out of court in handcuffs, apparently uh, 18 months in prison. You remember, what was it, about three, four years ago now, where he had the uh, incident with his limo driver who ended up getting shot and killed. Well, it's funny you said three or four years ago, because it was oh two. Wow. And it, to me, it feels like it was 20 years ago. Okay. And my buddy Claudia is like, oh, it's been 10 years. I mean, it's been, I was like, wow, it was only eight? You know, and I was like, because it felt like 15 to me. It really does, Coach. Mm-hmm. And and you said it felt like two or three. Uh, you know what? It just goes to show this guy should have been in jail a long time ago. It just goes to show if you have money in America, you can get away with killing somebody. It's pretty sad, Coach. And what's also sad, and you make a pretty dramatic statement there. I'm not going to quite go that far. I don't know all the details of it. What also sad is our court system, Big Dog, where that happened in 2002. And he's getting mm-hmm. sentenced now. I don't know all the details of it. I'm sure there's some reason, the legalities and everything for the delays. But you know what? Cut through all the crap. There's got to be a better way, not just in this case, but in a lot of cases. We get sidetracked here. We talk sports guys talk uh, law here. But there's got to be a more efficient way to cut through a lot of the crapola that there is in the court system right now and get people to the forefront and make decisions I'm not saying two days after an incident happened, but it shouldn't take six damn years. Yeah, I, I was married. Years. I was married to a prosecutor, and she was a prosecutor. A prostitute. For prosecutor, ah. and she was a, one for seven and a half years. Okay. That I was with this girl, hey, Coach. The how poorly this stuff is administrated. How much money is just absolutely wasted? wasted. Yeah. Okay, it, it's unbelievable, and like the appeals process, all this stuff. It, it's an absolute joke. Hundreds of millions of dollars. This state alone just throws away on stupid mm-hmm. stuff when it comes to our court system. Your ex-wife was a prosecutor. I apologize. I was a, almost had made a big mishap there. Um, 
Yeah, there's got to be a way. I don't know if we have any lawyers listening. We can get sidetracked here very quickly, but don't, you know, don't overthink it. Whatever the rule book is now, the rule book must be like 840 pages. Maybe it's just, you know, shorten it up to about 65 pages. Coach, coach, you know, I, I do a show, uh, America's Most Wanted Debbie. It's yes. about Debbie parents. Yeah. Okay. Well, not only when we started doing the show, it was about to expose deadbeat parents, a lot of deadbeat dads, some deadbeat moms. Well, when we're finding out, now it's, it's beyond this. It's about the whole system in general. We have this one guy who's a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. okay? His daughter has graduated from DePaul already as a graduate, okay? And she's, she's a lawyer. She's got her stuff all together. Well, this guy who's a Vietnam vet is homeless, and he is getting every single, all but like, $15 of a Social Security check taken out to pay the interest on something that happened in the 1980s, and none of the principals are being paid off of this, and they keep taking it out of this guy's check. And the money is not going to the daughter or the mother. It's going back into the court system. Okay? This guy is homeless, Coach. This is a Vietnam vet. His only way to, to get money. And, the, and obviously, he paid for the girl to go to school, all this stuff, but he's still in hard times like... Ten years ago, and this is the only source of income, and they're still taking money out of this stuff. The girl has graduated from college already, and it's and it's not even going to her. All mm-hmm. this guy's money. Mm-hmm. Just an example. I mean, it's pretty sick, coach. The guy yeah. fought for this country, and this type of stuff is happening to him. Yeah, and, and that's just one example. And I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of cases like that, right? Perfect so examples. Often. I don't know how you solve the problem, but I do know it's a problem, and, and it shouldn't take that long. And the only people that are benefiting, of course are the uh, lawyers who continue to make money over, in the case of Jason Williams, it's been, what, an eight-year extended period. Oh, absolutely. So it's nice that a couple of law firms have become rich by this uh, wonderful case. You know, want to become rich in this country, become a lawyer. You don't even have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Seriously. It's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Or grow yourself up to be 6'10 and make sure you can rebound about 14 rebounds a game, and you're in pretty good shape as well. Then you can get away with murder. Yeah. yeah. $100 million contract, you win a Heisman Trophy, you know, it's pretty. That's pretty much that. That's the level you're at. You're mm-hmm. an MVP of a league. You can pretty much do whatever you want mm-hmm. in this country. That's sad so. but true. Welcome back, two guys and a mic here on the uh, TalkZone.com final segment. Thanks for joining us again. Phone lines open. You want to talk some sports? Get off the sports page. We're more than willing to do that too. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Before going to college basketball, big dog, I did want to mention it was kind of odd last night in the ice dancing competition. Both the first place and second place couples were coached by the same person. Or actually, it was the same male and female coaching combo. So I found that kind of odd. Here they are at the highest level of competition. One was from Canada, or the pair was from Canada. The other pair was from the United States, but they both had the same coaches. Kind of odd, and um, obviously those coaches are pretty good because the Canadian couple took the gold medal, the U.S. took the silver medal. But have you ever seen a sporting event where the coaches were actually, in a sense, coaching against each other? I can't remember that, even in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, uh, it's not that – I don't see it as a big deal whatsoever, though, Coach. It's not like they're on the ice going against each other. Mm-hmm. And as long as the coaches – as long as they honestly have their uh, figures, like the, the teams do the best possible uh, – that they could do uh-huh. to perfection, like the most difficult one to perfection, then they're doing the right job. So I don't see any situation or, no, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I would I would imagine it would happen a lot in that particular sport. 
Okay. Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer, by the way, the Canadian couple that won the gold medal. Uh, the United States team took second place. I know Tanith Belbin and Ben Agosta. You remember those from the last Olympics? Uh, that twosome? Yeah. I believe they took a silver medal in the last Olympics. They got aced out yesterday, finished in fourth place. Did a heck of a routine, but they finished in fourth place. And also, uh, before we leave the Olympics, we got to throw a little love out. To our women's hockey team, 9-1 to one over Sweden. They'll be playing for the gold medal tomorrow, Big Dog. I know it's not uh, the marquee event of the men's hockey, but our women's hockey team has been dominant so far. Yeah, the, do you remember what I predicted the score of the game was going to be yesterday? Yeah, I was looking forward. I taped it looking forward to a close game, and you very gently informed me that, Coach, you really don't need to tape much past the first five minutes. <laughs> well, what, what was your prediction? I did predict 13 to 1. 13. So I will say they gave a better game than I thought they were going to get. Well, you forgot the United States has the sympathy effect going on. Oh, that that might be true. Yeah, I believe. But like I said, there was a 99% chance Canada and U.S. would be in the finals against each other, mm-hmm. and I guess it landed on one of those 99, Coach, because that right. would be playing for the championship. Now, that game is tomorrow, Now and that game will be worth watching, correct? Because Canada's women can challenge ours? Oh yeah, yeah. Canada, that guy, Canada's beating people like ten nothing, fourteen nothing too. They okay. won five nothing to get into the final. All right, so good match. Great hockey day tomorrow then, right? Because U.S. will be playing a quarterfinal match, one and done, medal round, and the U.S. women will be playing for the gold medal. So good hockey day tomorrow, and the figure skating competition starts tonight. The short skate program tomorrow. We'll analyze a little bit of that, but um, apparently Japan's is it. Moa Asada? I don't know if you read about her. Uh, Mao Asada. Mao Asada. Is, she's excellent. I like Mickey Ando a little better, though, Coach. Okay. So, uh, Mickey Ando. Mao Asada is more the Michelle Kwan. You know, she does everything gracefully and all perfect and prissy and all nice. And then Mickey Ando is like the little Japanese girl that can jump off the gym mm-hmm. type girl. So, I like her a little better. They said Mao Asada, uh, w- the last Olympic Games, was like 15 years old. Yes. And, and I he- did, that's why I never brought her up, Coach. Remember? Well, legally, I think there's a legal age. She wasn't allowed to. I thought that's no, what no, no. I read. She was in the, I'm pretty sure she was in the last Olympics. If she wasn't, she was definitely like in the World Championships like yes. five years ago because I remember her. World Championships, yes, but not the Olympic game. But okay. I think, you know, four years ago at the uh, Winter Olympic Games, they said she might have been the gold medal winner. She might have been better at 15 than she is at 19, but she was not eligible to compete. So we'll see yep. if uh, – you know, if she can come through, but she certainly is one of the one of the favorites in the competition. Yes, and I guess what there's uh, like this Flatley girl from uh, Rachel Flatts. Rachel from, Flatts uh, from uh, Wait, the isn't U.S. That, isn't Rachel Flatts a singer? Yeah, she doesn't. So Roscoe Flatts is. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't look like your typical figure skater. Is the best way for me to say it. She's got I, really long arms and legs, and is okay. a little thicker in the middle. She's girl chested. Sounds like for, Michelle uh, Obama on ice. <laughs> all right uh all right we, any other olympic thoughts because i do want to get to some basketball here i'm done with the olympics you sure not yeah you're not done with the olympics you're done with the olympics. I am, yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> just a little bump in the programming here big dog we have to work on our transitions you know that maybe we yeah, need i've like, been trying to do this to be quite honest with you yeah well you may be trying but you're not succeeding right now I take full responsibility, though, as the lead host here. All right. Can we quickly transition over to basketball? Uh, you're the point guard, Coach. Thank you very much. Right, I'm going to take it with a uh, dribble to the left side, feed you over outside the three-point land, make sure you triple threat, and talk to me about some college basketball. People are starting to uh, position themselves for March Madness. One of those teams is Connecticut. 
They beat West Virginia yesterday, 73-62. West Virginia ninth ranked in the country. I don't know how many people realize, Big Dog, but Connecticut, typical powerhouse. They were uh, on the outside looking in, but they're starting to knock on the door saying, hey, we went in also. Yeah, I, as a diehard Illinois fan, and, and them not officially, not them totally 100% in coach, I've been rooting against a lot of teams that are also on the fence, mm-hmm. and I found myself rooting against Connecticut last night. And it, it didn't help. They won at West Virginia, who's a pretty good basketball team coach. So, or was that at UConn? Was it at UConn? I think it was at UConn, but okay. either way, either way, that's a big win. 73-62. They've won like three in a row now. Jim Calhoun, their head coach, who has been battling sickness, battling cancer, uh, and missed some games. He's back in the helm. So they're making a late run for it. Obviously, the tournaments are going to be a, a big factor also. The Big East Tournament, Big Ten Tournament, how those teams do will make a big difference also. But uh, Kansas knocked off Oklahoma, number one team in the country. Kansas, uh, would you say prohibitive team to beat Big Dog, or is that a little too strong? No, no, I, 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 w- I wouldn't say prohibitive right now. Just for the simple fact is they don't seem like they've pulled away. They play too sloppy during basketball games. They should have beat Oklahoma last night by like 35 points. Then mm-hmm. they got stupid at the end of the first half, and Oklahoma came flying back into the game. So um, they are the favorite coach. They are. I think what, uh, they'll, be, they'll be their number one seed. They are officially the Big 12 regular season champs last night, but uh, uh, you know Kentucky's good. There's a lot of good teams that can win it. They're the favorite, but mm-hmm. it, with so many teams out there, it's, it's hard to be a prohibitive favorite in NCAA college yeah. basketball because you have to win six games in a tournament. Yep. So not a dominant team. That's what you're saying. Very, very mm-hmm. good. Not a dominant team. 25 and one record against the competition. They play as amazing. You may not like Bill Self. There's many here in the Illinois area that do not. But uh, boy. You talk about the combination of recruiting and coaching. You can't argue with 25-1. and one. And you know every game that Kansas goes in, Big Dog, every game. The opponent, and very often those opponents are pretty strong teams like Oklahoma, they're out to get Kansas. They're the oh, team absolutely. to beat. They're psyched up. That's going to make their week, make their month, make their season if they can beat Kansas every game. And they're able to overcome that and still be 25-1. and one. I think the fans take that for granted. you got to give some kudos to the Jayhawks. No, they're the number one team in the country, Coach, and they deserve it. And uh, they they have played well at times this year, and it's funny. They haven't played great, and they're 25-1, and one, like you say. You forget about that. I look at them, and I do realize I see, I see a team with flaws, and then I realize they've only lost one. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess sometimes when you're at some schools, you, you get looked at totally differently than other schools. I mean, like if uh, – uh, let's face it, like if a typical school, if Minnesota has a, a year where they're under 500, nobody thinks about it. If North Carolina does, mm-hmm. people are freaking out over it. You know what I mean? So Xavier Henry, they're a great freshman. Sharon Collins from the city of Chicago here. Of course, Cole Aldrich, the big fellow, and then Brady Morningstar, the ultimate gym rat, four amongst their stars. Kansas going to be a number one seed for sure. Uh, we're winding into about the final week, final couple of weeks of regular season play. Tournament action going to be coming up. And when I say tournament action, you've got your league tournaments first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much significance are placed in those big dog. Uh, it's a little early for March Madness talk, but let me just say a quick opinion. I heard this from a couple other experts, and I think they're right. Often too much emphasis, too much is put on the conference tournament, too little on the regular season, or another way of putting it is too much emphasis on three days of basketball, not enough emphasis on three months of basketball. I think that's oh, an accurate like People who deserves to get in and who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Obviously, or or where they're seated, too. Or where they're seated. 
Yeah, good point. Because obviously, like wherever you, uh, you know, if you win your conference tournament, you're in. But yeah, I, I can see that. It, sometimes that people take way too much credence in what you do in your in that particular part of your your mm-hmm. schedule. And you know what? You play games in November; they should count just as much as your games in in early March. But let's face it, it doesn't. You know it doesn't, Coach. The, every year, people are always mm-hmm. picked at how they're playing at the time of the tournament as opposed to how well, their whole season looks. Which is not if I could argue against myself for a second. And uh, I love arguing with myself because the way I figured I got a one out of two chance of winning. You know, I, I need to win an argument on occasion. But I'll reverse the argument and say I think there should be some credence on how well you're playing towards the end of the season. I don't think it's exactly even. I don't think a November game is, is as important as February, and I think there should be some lean, some uh, momentum look at for teams that are playing better at the end of the year. So I'll counter myself with that argument, too. I don't think that's totally illegitimate for the team for uh, the selection committee to look at teams that are playing well at the end of the season. Okay, and I, I'm not trying to prove a point either way, but just the, the thing I want to show is an example of just how confusing it can be and how stuff you can just shake your head. Uh, a 64-team tournament back in 1990, Hank Gathers, the Loyola Marymount, okay, had a great season. They had like one or two losses. They had a, maybe a weaker conference out in the West Coast Conference, Coach, but mm-hmm. they played an extremely tough non-conference schedule, that Loyola Marymount. You remember they were up and down the court, both Kimball, Hank Gathers. Yep. Hank Gathers dies, okay. They, the, the West Coast Conference gives Loyola Marymount their uh, conference championship because they didn't want to play the rest of the tournament after Hank Gathers died. Okay. The NCAA, then, when the tournament rankings come out, they give the, the number four team in the country, Laurel and Marymount, a sixth seed. And they were like, why did you give this team a sixth seed? They were the fourth team in the country. And they're like, well, their best player, Hank Gathers, died, so they're obviously not that good. Talk about it. You know what I mean? Their, loss, their last season loss, Coach, was a player. So that's why they knocked them down in the rankings. Because so they're like, this isn't the same team. So you know, that's some strange stuff. You know what I mean? It, the team had, was the fourth team in the country. One of their players died, so the NCAA tournament, the, 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 they don't give them a one or two seed. They decide to drop them down to a six. That's a little drastic. I don't think it's totally wrong. I think you do look at how strong the team is, and tragically. But, but if a one player of your, died, so you penalize them for it? Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if we're penal. You use the word penalize. If they were, were penalized, coach. They had to play Arkansas that year, and Arkansas well, was the best team in the country. But again, even I, they did lose to UNLV. It's a matter so. of perspective. I would say you're putting them in a more accurate position. We're not penalizing this team, but you lost a player tragically, so we're putting you in a spot now. Maybe dropping them to the sixth. They if they were fourth in the country, dropping them to the sixth. Uh, seed. They didn't deserve a number one seed. I, I do realize that, coach. They should have got a number two seed that year. Okay. Because they were like twenty-eight and one or twenty-eight and two. And remember, that was a team scoring like 115 points a game. Yes. You remember that team? Yeah, it was basic. Wasn't that Paul West head coaching? Yes, and yeah. it was basically Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers drove to the basket and dunked. And if they got cut out, they threw it out to Jeff Fryer right. who hit a three pointer. Right. I mean, basically. they had three guys averaging 25 points a game. Their strategy basically was, and I only say this half kiddingly, and for our young basketball fans, you didn't catch that amazing Loyola Marymount team coached by Paul Westhead. Right when the three pointer was so fairly new in the game. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mind if the other team scored two points. Their theory was, hey, if you get a two-pointer against us, that's just that much more time for us to get a three-pointer against you. Yeah. And, again, I only say that half-kiddingly. They played disinterested defense. All they wanted to do is get the ball back in their hands, fast break, and shoot a three. Yeah, they, their, their model, and this, you know, you're half-kidding about this, this is the exact model of Paul Westhead. There's no such thing as a bad shot. Because if you're getting a shot, you're not turning it over and the ball's going towards the hoop. 
Mm-hmm. And you have a shot to score, chance to score points. That was his legitimate philosophy, Coach. I don't know if it's good or if it was right. But maybe, you know, if you're on a second-tier conference, you play a style like that, you get top-tier talent. And that's exactly what happened at yeah. Loyola Marymount. Yeah, you know what, that, that, that strategy of offense, that uh, uh, philosophy of offense, it proved to be like any other philosophy. If you have talent, if you got it talent, works. it works real well. All of a sudden, when you don't have some great talent and your shooters aren't so good, not so good. It is no different than any other philosophy on offense, right? Yeah, that, that's I, I love that. Oh, the Wildcat is horrible. The offense will never work. Well, when Ronnie Brown is your is your running back, it'll work. If Matt Forte <laughs> is your running back, it will not work. Okay, Let's just, I'm not knocking Matt Forte because as a regular running back, they're just, we'll just say they're equal. But that Ronnie Brown can do the Wildcat stuff because he can throw it a little bit. He can see the defense better. So you're right, Coach. It's about the what. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Willie and Joe. Big dog. We got to wrap it up. I appreciate you joining us from uh, Aurora, Illinois. Back at us tomorrow, ten o'clock sharp. We appreciate everybody listening. Two guys at a mic every uh, weekday at ten o'clock. So uh, tell a friend. Tune in tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. David Olson, our producer, outstanding job for the big dog and the coach. Have a great day. Bye bye.